1: Welcome to Lockdown Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Russ Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. I am joined today, located in the King suite of the Springfield Suites, across the street from the Country Center, where the Warriors just beat the Denver Nuggets in one of the most shocking wins of their season. I'm joined here by San Francisco Chronicles' Connor Letourneau. Uh, was that, let's start there, was that their best win of the season? Because the other one I'm thinking of is the Houston Rockets game.
0: yeah. You know, I would probably still go with the Rockets game just because of the magnitude of that game. It was nationally televised. It was Christmas Day. They, sh- You know, it was a former rival in the Rockets. They shut down James Harden, uh, who's been a bit of a nemesis of theirs at times. So I'll still go with the Rockets. But outside of that one, I, w- I would probably put this at number two. Um <clears throat> It was just coming back from a 15-point fi- third-quarter deficit against a Western Conference contender on the road, and, and just the way they did it. They played with so much joy. They hit a bunch of three-pointers. Um, they they passed the ball. They, they really did the tenets that they had embodied when they were a dynasty. And, so, and keep in mind, they did it with a 10-day guy starting, um, another 10-day guy playing a big role off the bench, um, and a bunch of you know, relative no-names. So, to me, it was a very, very impressive win, and it just shows that Steve Kerr still has these guys buying in at a time when a lot of teams would be phoning it in.
1: Yeah, they bought in when they could have been also looking ahead to Thursday, which everybody expects Steph Curry to come back Thursday against the Raptors. It would have been really easy to just look ahead to that, kind of phone it in, just get out of the, the high-altitude Denver Nuggets game, just get back home and have Steph back, right? But they didn't do that, They did, and they played really well. I mean, they 31 assists, the most assists that they've had since February 8th, I believe I have that right, and the most three-pointers that they've made since February 1st. So they're playing in a way that Steph Curry is going to be able to just jump right into, right? That's the way you want to play when Steph Curry comes back, not necessarily the way that they were playing when they were trying to shoehorn D'Angelo Russell into this whole situation, but Andrew Wiggins played amazing. He continues to just be an incredible fit with this team. He's running the floor. He had four assists in the first quarter. Really set, or set the tone for all the ball movement that they had. And I thought Steve Kerr said something interesting after the game. And, I, and this is what I kind of want to start talking about here is uh, how he views Andrew Wiggins fitting in with Steph and Clay and that ability for him to drive and kick. Wiggins had 10 assists tonight. I mean, it was his first 20-point, 10-assist, double-double uh, of his career. I mean, this is rare. Yeah. Uh, and and so if he can keep playing like this, and he was doing it running the floor, but he was also doing it in the half court, using screens, pick and roll stuff, driving and kicking, he's using his length to find guys in the corner. I mean, he made some amazing passes tonight. And and Steve Kerr, after the game, said like he watches that and imagines, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, imagines that instead of kicking out to Jordan Poole or Michael Mulder. Or Damian Lee, he's kicking out to Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and things like that. I, we're seeing, you know, the continued growth of Andrew Wiggins here.
0: Yeah, and he's been impressive his whole time. But the ten assists just blew my mind. This yeah. is not a guy who's known as much of a facilitator. But five, five of which came, five of which led to three pointers. So half of his assists led to three pointers. His basketball IQ, I think, is better than people gave him credit Mm. for. I think his feel for the game is better than people gave him credit for because he's making reads and understanding angles out there that a lot of guys take months to figure out. Even Kevin Durant, who a lot of people might call a basketball savant, took three months to get comfortable with the Warriors system. I'm not saying he is Kevin Durant, but he... You're saying he's better than Kevin Durant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying he's better than Kevin Durant, but he is acclimating as quickly to the system as you could hope, and I think part of it is his role... Is so much based off things that he is good at that maybe he hasn't been able to showcase in Minnesota. Um, I, I
1: I think the other part of this equation is what he's been able to do defensively, and Steve Kerr has been experimenting with him quite a bit. He's been he when he first got Andrew Wiggins, he slotted him onto guards and, and forwards. And these last couple games, he's been putting them on point guards. Uh, we, I, it started against Ricky Rubio against Phoenix, which was the first of this two-in-three-win, sh- th- two-wins-in-three-game stretch. And then he did it again tonight. He put Andrew Wiggins on Jamal Murray to start the game. And I really think that that is a huge thing that we're not talking enough about. If Wiggins is able to guard point guards, when Clay Thompson comes back off of a knee injury, where you probably don't want Clay guarding on the ball as much, right? You probably want him playing off the ball, guarding off the ball a little bit more. If Wiggins can do that, because that was was Clay's job, right? He guards the ball handler so Steph doesn't have to. That might be Wiggins' job now.
0: Yeah, no, he he can be kind of a better version of what Glenn Robinson the third provided when when he was with the Warriors. You know, I'm not expecting him to be Andre Iguodala. So
1: first, he's better than Kevin Durant. He's better <laughs> now than Glenn Robinson. I don't
0: believe. Well, I do think it's fair to say he's better than Glenn Robinson. Um, but he he basically to me, all you need from him defensively next season is, hey, we're gonna put you on the best player on the opposing team for stretches and just don't get killed like just hold your own, make life a little difficult on them. We're not ex- we're not asking you to be an all defensive team guy. I know Draymond has said he thinks he can be. They're not expecting him necessarily to be that, but if he can just give those guys some trouble, which so far he has been, that's a win.
1: Yeah, and and offensively, he there there were like offensively the Warriors played really well, but they had some dead stretches in this game. And in that first dead stretch, uh I thought Wiggins did a lot of in terms of just doing stuff. Um, and then the other guy who did a lot in terms of doing stuff and just getting his own shot was Eric Paschal. And he had a tremendous game. And he had two really important pull-up jumpers, mid-range jumpers in that fourth quarter. Uh, the Warriors seemed to have been pulling away from the game with, but with about five minutes left. The Nuggets got it to back within six. Eric Paschal hits a really key pull-up jumper, hits another one you know, a few possessions later, and then gets a big layup later on, so he hit three really big shots in that fourth quarter where he was really generating it on his own. Steve Kerr said after the game that he is encouraging Eric Pascal to shoot those mid-range jumpers. He shoots that mid-range jumper, by the way, at a 42% clip. He is good at it. That is his spot, and Steve Kerr is encouraging him to do it because, not to keep comparing guys to Kevin Durant and how much better these Warriors are <laughs> than Kevin Durant, but uh, it, it had echoes of that, right? Like, you get Kevin Durant, you allow him to get those to those mid-range spots because he's so good at it, and those are important during the postseason, during the playoffs, when you just need a bucket in the last couple minutes, when you just need a bucket to break through, when the your ball movement in the offense just isn't working. And Eric Pasqual has a little bit of that, as does Andrew Wiggins. But how impressed have you been with Pasqual as far as um, his ability to just go do that?
0: Yeah, and I think that that's going to be really key come the playoffs, you know, next season and future seasons. You know, they don't have another guy like that who's really an isolation score I know I know uh, Andrew Wiggins has a little bit of that in his game and he can do that at times but Eric Paschal is just such a physical force he's so strong physically that I think that if they're pressed in important moments come a playoff game they can actually give the ball to Eric Paschal and say just go get us a bucket you know and that's phenomenal value to already be able to say that at the end of his rookie season from a guy who was the number 41 pick in the draft. You know, he still has things to work on. I want to see him be a little bit better defensively. um, But he has shown that he can be really helpful in that regard, especially just in the past couple games. He did that in Phoenix, and then obviously he he was huge in that tonight.
1: Uh, I want to get to our stat of the game next. But first, this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training with ama- amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, and 75 degree temperatures. If you've ever been to spring training, you know that it gives you a great opportunity to meet the players, get autographs before the game, and then after the game, check out the amazing restaurants and bars nearby. And Connor, we were just in Phoenix for the Suns game and you and I managed to get some time off right before the Suns game and hit up a couple of spring training games. You know, we hit both of the Giants games, right? Giants Royals and the Giants Rockies. I can't talk about the incredible food necessarily Mm -hmm. that this ad copy talks about because we didn't eat that much. We were definitely drinking more uh, because it's great cheap beer. It's great sun. It's
0: just great times. Yeah, we had a phenomenal time. One of the best days I've had in a long time. I'm not just saying that because this is an ad spot, but it genuinely was a phenomenal time um, we went out to surprise which is way far out there it was quite a hike but it was worth it beautiful ballpark right. and then the next game we went to was in scottsdale which is more near kind of nightlife you yeah. know there's a bunch
1: of bars restaurants they've got golf carts taking people
0: to different yeah places. No, it's just a great vibe everyone out there is, is having a great time because they're on vacation or, or just taking a day off and so um, i want to go back i was kind of bummed that we had to you know come back and work, you know, yeah. the next day and then leave and come back to the bed. But, uh, you know, I would do it again. Well, the way to
1: do it again is to go to visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That's visit Arizona.com slash spring training to plan your spring training getaway. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it. Well, it takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive-through for your own steamy carton of crispy, golden goodness. Okay, it's time for our stat of the game, and I'm using this really as a way to just talk more about Michael Mulder. So, stat of the game is eighteen threes. I mentioned it at the top the most threes that the Warriors have made since February 1st. They've just not been shooting threes at a very high rate this season, and the worst part about that is they've been giving up threes at an extremely high rate this season. They do, among all NBA teams, have the worst differential between three-pointers made and three-pointers given up this season. So after making 18 threes this, in this game on Tuesday night, they allowed the Nuggets make only three three-pointers in the entire game. Now, some of that is just them missing shots. Jamal Murray going over 6 from three-point range. Will Barton going 1-for-9 from three-point range is definitely an anomaly. I don't care what the Warriors did defensively. That just doesn't happen. <clears throat> that said, Michael Mulder, of the Warriors' 18 threes, was responsible for five of them. He went 5-for-10 from three-point range, 15 points overall, three assists, three rebounds. You actually turned to me at press row at one point and said... He reminds me of a poor man's Kevin Martin. I want you to explain that a little bit because I don't hate it.
0: Yeah, Kevin Martin, as we know, um, was a guy who was a great shooter, phenomenal three-point shooter, could could get to the bucket at times as well, just a really good offensive weapon. He struggled uh, defensively largely just because of his physical frame. He was he was slight, slight of build. Um, but you know he wasn't you know a, a multi time all star or any of those things, but he was a guy who, when you needed, could could get you thirty points on a given night. And I'm not saying Michael Boulder is gonna get you thirty points, hence the poor man's part of that compliment. <laughs> um but I do think he's proving in a short sample size, small sample size that he's an n b a Player, He has an NBA skill. Every fringe player in the NBA needs at least one go-to NBA skill. He has that, his three-point shooting. I know it's the G League. I know it's a much lower level of play, but he averaged – he shot almost 40% from the field over this G League season on almost 10 three-pointers per game. There's only two players in the NBA this season, Damian Lillard and James Harden, who are shooting that many threes per game, and he shot them at a higher clip. Now – it was the G League. Right. But that's still very impressive. Right. And what well, he's proven that that can translate to the NBA. Um, he, you know, his first game he was 0 for 5 from 3, and then he bounces back in the past three games has been very solid. And Steve's gone out of his way to compliment his defense, and that to me says a lot.
1: Yeah, so just for our listeners keeping track, Andrew Wiggins is better than Kevin Durant, and Michael Mulder is better than Damian Lillard. Um <laughs> Look, like, I I do think that like Mulder tonight, five of ten from three point range, but five for eleven overall. That means that all of his shots almost came from three point range. That's what they want him to do. They want him to be a three and D guy. I think at first you were right. They just like, hey, the dude shoots threes really good. Like let's just make let's just bring him up, see what he's got. They did that basically with Zach Marvel Jr. He didn't really make much of an impact. He didn't do a whole lot out there. But Mulder right away just seems to be uh, playing defense really aggressively. Yeah. and and Steve Kerr has mentioned a couple times he just he's got he's only six three he's maybe one hundred and eighty pounds wet.
0: What's the difference between Zach Norvell Jr. and Michael Mulder?
1: One went to Kentucky. One went to Gonzaga.
0: One spent three years playing professional basketball. And one's a rookie, right? I know it's the G League, but it's still professional basketball against guys who were great college players and guys who have been in the NBA. And he played and did that grind for three years. And to me, Zach Norville, I know, is a small sample size, but he just looked like a guy who was still figuring out how to be a pro. Right. And Michael Mulder has come in and looks like he's confident, looks like he belongs. You know, like I said, he bounced back after that rough first game and has, has really been impressive. Um, not a lot of rookies or younger guys could do that. Um, one One thing I wanted to ask you, I was just thinking about this, is it? I know, it's, I know it might be a little early to ask this question, but between Damian Lee and Michael Mulder. Wow. No, seriously, though. Yeah. Seriously, though.
1: So Damian Lee tonight, he was a plus 18 in the box score, which was the best on the team. But he was one for nine overall shooting, one for six from three-point range. Uh, does do the other things. I still think that this team would prefer to have Damian Lee than Michael Mulder
0: just partly because they're more familiar with him and they
1: know him and there's a much larger sample size with him, and he's he knows where to be and what to do and I think Mulder's still figuring that out like Damian Lee you can ask him okay can you go be point guard for us tonight great can you go be a shooter for us tonight awesome thank you Mulder is really just uh he's still pretty one-dimensional as a come off a screen, catch the pass, and shoot the ball.
0: And part of the issue with Mulder is you just look project the roster for next season, and as good as he is as a shooter and all these things, do they need someone else with those skills when they have a healthy Steph, when they have a healthy Clay, when they have Damian Lee?
1: I would argue that they think that they do, which is why they signed a guy like Norval, and that's why they signed a guy like Mulder. I think they do believe that they need somebody like that coming off their bench. I wonder... Like, when you, like, who is Mulder competing with? Because this is a really interesting conversation. Is he competing with Damian Lee or is he competing with Kai Bowman? Is he competing with Juan Toscano Anderson? Is he competing with, you know, these
0: other guys that he's not competing roster? with Lee because Lee's 100% going to be on the roster next season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're right. I I think he's competing with Kai Bowman. Um, and that's part of why the Warriors have been tinkering with Jordan Poole at, at point, I point. think, is because yeah. they're not. Super sold on Kai Bowman. Now, I, I believe his, his deal next season is very partially guaranteed. Yeah. Would not be a big deal if they just decided to come preseason, you don't got it. And they cut him. Yeah. Um, and they maybe give that roster spot to, to Mulder and give some of those backup point guard minutes to Jordan Poole, who they seem genuinely interested in in a playmaking role. Um, I'm glad
1: that, you mentioned Jordan Poole there. 15 points, six assists tonight. Made two really important three pointers at the end of that third quarter. Uh, he, The first one of which he banked in, legs splayed, had no business making it, but he made it. Good for him. And then that second one he made at the buzzer and then he turned around to his bench and gave him the Steph shimmy. Uh, Jordan Poole's been awesome. And you know that I'm, like, leader of the the Jordan Poole fan club right now? Yeah, because uh,
0: you were the first person to talk about how he should be a playmaker. Yeah, like, I think we
1: talk about this on every time we come on, and it's fine. That's great. Um, But he was awesome again. I'm not bitter tonight. at all that no. you were
0: ahead of me on that <laughs> at
1: all. Eric Paschal, 22 points on 8 for 13, shooting 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Andrew Wiggins, I don't. we talked about him. I don't think we got to his stat line. 22 points, 9 of 16 overall, 10 assists. Five rebounds. I mean, there's games where Wiggins just like he's not in the box score whatsoever, and then there's other games where he just fills it up. Uh, Mark, I will
0: say, I actually wanted to say this earlier when we we're talking about Wiggins. He's played what seven games? Eight games? Some, yeah. Let's say he's played seven games. I think five of those games he's given really solid effort. Two duds. Two two duds. Yep. And you know what? I can, I can handle that. Given what we knew about him or thought about him in his years with Minnesota, I can handle. Two duds every seven games. Um, yeah. You know, he's given much better effort and energy than than at least was his rep entering his time with Golden State.
1: Support for this podcast comes from CDWNHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid.
0: I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid.
1: CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th generation processors and SureView privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes.
0: Did you follow me here?
1: IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? So who do you think has really made enough of an impression or who do you project maybe as being these guys of the young guys who can play a role next season? Because we've, meant, we've talked about all of them. at this Well, course.
0: I think, I think the obvious ones are Marquise Chris and, and Eric Paschal. And if you're going to throw Damian Lee in there, I think those guys all have spots in the rotation next season. I don't think we need to keep talking about them. I also think Jordan Poole has solidified that. Now, to me, the more interesting question right now is who is going to earn a roster spot of the guys that are kind of on the fringe? Those guys being Kai Bowman, Michael Mulder, and Juan Descano Anderson. Um, and I guess we can throw our guy uh, Dragon Bender in there. Yeah, let's. Well, can we? Uh, we should have
1: talked about this already. Dragon Bender, this was his last game on his 10-day 10 day uh, contract 14 points, 5 of 9 shooting, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Started a little slow. Started to get going a little bit. I thought it was interesting, Steve Kerr after the game said, you know, Bender is one of these guys where you if you just give him a chance, and he had a chance, he played twenty-three minutes tonight. He had that chance. If you give him a chance, he will do stuff. And largely in Dragon Bender's career, he has not given he's not been given a chance. He's, you know, it's been a short leash for him, right. even despite being the number four pick in 2016. So uh it did sound like Steve Kerr after the game said I'd like to get him another 10 day. Look. Uh, you mentioned that uh, the Wiggins thing, two duds out of seven or eight games. I mean, for Bender, it's really been 50 50. It's an on and off switch with him. But you could still do a lot worse for a dude on a 10 day contract. I mean, right. Yeah.
0: No, I, I would give him another 10 day just because he's shown enough to be well. intrigued. Yeah. And if you, my thing entering his first 10 day was. Just show us enough to 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 make us believe, or at least understand why you were the number four pick in the draft. I'm not saying you deserve to be the number four pick in the draft, but at least make us understand why you were. Yeah. And to me, I've seen enough skill from him in flashes where I'm like, okay, I get it. I get why scouts fall in love with this guy. Now we need to see that translate more into actual NBA games. Yeah. Um, he always and- just
1: seems he seems just a couple of inches off, like metaphorically and literally. Sometimes where he's just like he's so close to being a good NBA player, but sometimes he's just you know one step out of position defensively, or the the, the shot, the three pointer is a couple of inches it clams yeah, off. There's, the so, right m- of the there's rim.
0: so many times where he'll, he'll make like a great move to the basket, you know, weave through multiple guys, do things that a seven footer should not be able to do, and then he'll get to the rim and he'll miss the layup, and right. it's like, okay, dude. I appreciate that you did something that not a lot of seven-footers can do, but you still missed the layup, and this is basketball, and it's about results. <laughs> you know, and so that's that's the right. issue, right? right. But, um, you know, honestly, if we're going to compare them just because they came in around the same time between Michael Mulder and, and Bender, I'd rather have Mulder. Wow. So you're high on Mulder.
1: Look, I, I the thing with him... I don't know what his wingspan is because I don't even know if he went to the draft combine. So I don't even know if that's older. Been, yeah, I don't even we'll know four points per game a senior year. So, so probably not. Yeah. So I mean, he's six foot three, but I would bet he's got. I mean, I'm just guessing, and and because he does play bigger than his body, uh, maybe like a six nine wingspan. Like it wouldn't shock me if he had just yeah. like a stupid long. He's wingspan. Pretty skinny, but he's really skinny. But he he plays hard. He fights over screens. You got to appreciate it. it. Look,
0: I also, I just, I like the energy. Like, you can yeah. tell the guys like him. You can tell that he's high and everyone. That he's got like,
1: that Sioux Falls pedigree, which is important too.
0: No, and look, you know, I love the G League. Sioux Falls is the blueprint. Sioux yeah. Falls is the blueprint. They have Jarrett Jack in, mm-hmm. in Sioux Falls right now, mainly as a mentor for those guys. And, and to learn from someone like Jarrett Jack, who is widely respected throughout the NBA. In our sit-down interview with um, with Michael when he first signed, he went out of his way to talk about Jared Jack multiple times. And he, to this day, is one of the most beloved warriors by Jake, Joe Lacob just because yeah. of what he represented. To have a guy like that in the G League to learn from is is so valuable. And I think it's really smart for a place like Sioux Falls to, to, to bring a guy like that in. And, and I think it says a lot about Jared Jack that he would choose to go to Sioux Falls and do that. So the next time we do a recap,
1: it will be after potentially the Warriors play with Steph Curry for the first time in four months. Um, Connor, thanks for coming on. You can follow Connor's work over on Twitter at uh, con underscore cron. You can follow his work and read all of his stuff over at the San Francisco Chronicle. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts if you're on iTunes. Rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening.